0: is one of the major challenges which confronts the present-day church. And I would dare to say that this is the biggest challenge that we face in the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I'm talking about the universal church, particularly the Western church. And that includes the church of Cyprus. And that includes the church in Paphos. Amen? So I pray that the Lord will help you to understand where I'm coming from and where I am going with this message. The challenge that I am speaking about is a challenge of spiritual immaturity. Spiritual immaturity. Or we could say, lack of spiritual growth and development. Lack of spiritual growth and development, or maturity. The unwillingness to develop maturity through Jesus Christ. Another way of putting this, The book of Hebrews says, and we're going to read that scripture in a moment, Hebrews chapter 5, verse 12, he calls it unskilled in the word of righteousness. Unskilled or unequipped in the word of righteousness. And uh, the apostle writing to the Hebrew believers in Hebrews chapter 5, verse 12 and 13 says the following, and I'm reading from the New King James Version. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God. And you have come to need milk and not solid food. For everyone who partakes only of milk, is unskilled in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. In Corinthians chapter 1, the Apostle Paul, writing to the church in Corinth, in chapter 3, verses 1 through 3, says the following, And I, brethren, could not speak to you as to spiritual people. O mature people in Christ, but as to carnal, as to babes in Christ. I fed you with milk and not with solid food. For until now you were not able to receive it, and even now you are still not able. For you are still carnal. For where there are envy, strife, and divisions among you, Are you not carnal and behaving like mere men? I wonder if the Apostle Paul were to write a church, uh, to write an epistle to the church in Cyprus or to the church in Paphos, uh, what he would say. My conviction is that he would say the same thing he said to the Corinthians. And I'll tell you why. This is the challenge that we face as believers. Now, the results of this challenge, the the spiritual immaturity or carnality, because we are babes in Christ still, the, the results of that is the shallow knowledge of God. We know God. But the level of knowledge we have is shallow. That is why you see so much instability in churches today. People are not committed like they should be committed. They are not willing to serve like they should be serving. Amen? It also produces shallowness in our faith. Many times we are unable to resist the enemy who comes against us. And even a slight challenge or a test or a trial, we lose our faith, we start to complain, and we are unable to resist or overcome the enemy that comes against us. Are you still with me? And that is what shallowness of faith In other words, we have not thrown roots into the knowledge of God, into the faith of God, and into the love of God, where we become stable, steady, faithful to the Lord, committed to the work of the gospel. Amen? Some of us can't even make church every week. We come one Sunday. And the next two Sundays, we are missing. Don't know where we are, but it seems like we have other priorities than the Holy Word of God, than the ministry of the Word. Amen? Amen. Some of us are disobedient when it comes to supporting the work of the Lord. Our giving is shallow. Amen? Amen? And this is what spiritual immaturity produces. Another thing that it produces is a shallow revelation of God's unconditional love. We become judgmental because we have not realized and received how much God loves us unconditionally. Amen. Paul prays that we may be rooted and grounded in the love of Christ. That we may be able to comprehend with all the saints the depth, the height, the width, and the length of the love of Christ and to be filled with all the fullness of God. That is a mature believer who is full with the fullness of God, with the Spirit of God, with the power of God. And always has a testimony of praise on his lips. Amen? And these, I'm giving you the the results of unwillingness to grow and develop. The results of being spiritually immature or carnal believers who are governed by our five physical senses rather than by the Spirit of the living God. Romans says that as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Not children, mature sons, fully developed, that are able to take on responsibility, particularly the responsibility of extending and establishing the influence, the values, and the ways of the kingdom of God in our spheres of influence. So, to deny this, then we are deceived. Amen? Now, the evidence of this shallow knowledge of God Is revealed primarily in our self centeredness. Self centeredness. We only care about ourselves. What's in it for me? And many are seeking the Lord today, and the churches are full of such believers who are seeking the Lord for the blessing. Hello? rather than because they are in love with the Lord and they delight in the presence of God. Jesus said to those believers, You seek me because I fed you with bread. Labor not for the food which perishes, but for that which the Son of Man will give you that will endure unto everlasting life. That is the Word of the living God, the Spirit of God, the impartation of the gifts of the Spirit. But most of the church are seeking about the earthly things, the things which perish with the using, and don't seem to care that our neighbors are unsaved, that they are going straight to hell. That's self-centeredness. That's selfishness. Hello? If you can't say amen, say oh me. When was the last time we led someone to the Lord because we are burdened for the soul? Year after year goes by and in our churches in South Africa not one soul is saved. That tells me something. That we don't really care for what God cares. That we don't value what God values. Hello? Another thing that produces this shallowness of faith, the shallowness of the knowledge of God, unwillingness and unable to serve God faithfully due to spiritual instability. You hardly find people that are willing joyfully to serve the Lord today, both in the house of the Lord, in the body that you're part of, than outside. You have to beg people and say, look, we need a Sunday school teacher. We need this. We need that. We need money. We don't. Why? Why do leaders have to beg the, the children of God to serve? the Lord who redeemed them from the hand of the enemy. But this is what shallow faith does and shallow knowledge. It is unwilling to commit and to serve diligently and joyfully in the body of the Lord. And that is due to spiritual instability. One day up, one day down. Amen. Today hot, tomorrow cold. Hello, you still love me? I say this in love. It is not my intention to judge or to condemn, but to help. But we cannot be helped unless we give the right diagnosis. When I go to my GP, the medical doctor, before she prescribes any medication, she thoroughly examines me. And she says, Mr. Kiriaku, this is the problem, and this is what you need to take. Amen? And we need to diagnose where the real problem is in the church. I do believe with all of my heart that if spiritual immaturity was not the problem, we would not have any problems in the church. People would be able to pray for themselves, overcome the enemy for themselves. They would not run to anybody else. People would be willing to joyfully serve the Lord wherever the Lord plants them. And do it joyfully. They would give and give abundantly of the substance. But we're not there yet, are we? No. Here is another evidence. We see divisions in the church. Envy. How many uh, reports we hear almost weekly that the worship leader was upset with the pastor took half of the church, went down the road and started another church. Envy. Striving in the church due to carnality. Paul says, are you not carnal? You just behave like you were not saved, man. You've got the Holy Spirit in your heart, but you've got the devil in your minds. Because your minds have not been renewed by the Spirit and the Word of the living God. Your values have not changed. Just like you are not saved. Yeah, they were saved, but they were behaving like unsaved men and women. Amen. The Bible says that we we often misrepresent the Lord Jesus Christ. We're supposed to be the ambassadors of Christ. The world is supposed to look at the Christian, the believer, and be amazed at the glory, at the attitude and the love that flows out of us. Jesus said, by this shall all men know, that you have love for one another. Love one another as I have loved you. Our love is shallow. We will only love if they love us and we would only love if they behave perfectly. But we are called to love the unlovely. We are called to love our enemies. praying for those who despitefully use and persecute us that we might be the children of the Most High God. Amen? Divisions, striving, and all these are the fruits of carnality. When you are governed by the flesh and not by the spirit, this is what you will have. And I don't care how many demons you cast out of a person. I don't care how many preachings and teachings we receive. Unless we come to the foot of the cross and deny self, take up the cross and follow Christ, we will continue to have this kind of carnality within our churches. Amen. And listen to this. God cannot and will not trust nor commission babes in Christ. You don't send children to the front lines to fight the war. They are children. They cannot. And God will not commission anyone who is untrustworthy. Amen? Because he's a baby. The word of God says in Romans chapter 8 verse 19, For the whole creation waits eagerly, longing for the revealing of the sons of God. When the time comes and the church matures, There will be a revelation of true sons of God that will begin to govern and have dominion over every sphere of life. And the whole creation groans and moans under the yoke of bondage, waiting for you and me to grow up and take dominion, take authority, and exercise that authority in our homes, in our families. In our communities, in the place where God placed you, where you work. Amen? An immature church, listen carefully, cannot extend nor establish the influence, the values, or the ways of God's kingdom. Amen? Now I'm going to give you three reasons of this challenge, of this spiritual immaturity. Why? I mean, the church has been born again since 2,000 years. And excluding the church in the book of Acts, after 300 AD, the church went from weakness to weakness, periods of darkness. And still to this day, we have not fully matured though there is a generation there's a gap in the generational impartation and every generation has to start anew rather than building on the generation that has gone before us the reasons i believe reason number 1 is the cost of becoming a disciple of christ outweighs the desire for spiritual development, the cost. Many are not willing to pay the cost. Listen, the closer you get to God, the deeper you go into the knowledge of God, the greater the cost, the greater the price you have to pay. The anointing costs, maturity costs, Salvation is free, but if you want to mature, you need to be willing to sacrifice and lay down primarily your self-will. Remember what Jesus said in Luke's gospel, unless you forsake all, you cannot be my disciple. So people look at the cost and they are unwilling to pay that cost to become a disciple. We have many converts, many believers, but few disciples. Folks, discipleship will cost you everything that you have. Amen? That is if you want to become a true disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. The second reason, I believe it's the absence of a five-fold ministry teaching. The Bible says that Jesus set in the church, Ephesians chapter 4, I'm not going to read it for the sake of time. Verses 11 through to 14. That the Lord Jesus, when he ascended, he had given gifts to men. And he lists those gifts. The apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, the pastor, and the teacher. No matter how good your pastor is, he doesn't know everything. And he cannot just on his own develop you. I always tell the people that I minister to, listen, I can only teach you the things I know and I've experienced, but there are things you need to learn and be educated that you need to connect to anointed ministries who will feed you and coach you and equip you so you can fully develop. Of course, I recommend those ministries to them. It's very dangerous to go on internet and start listening to whoever is on. There are many false teachers out there. Your pastor is the one who will discern and guide you into this. And I'll give you an example my own testimony. When I was born again, I was in a little town called Masvingo. We had two Pentecostal churches there. One of them was closing and the other one was just an ordinary church. Very few people The pastor there was as young as I was then, 24 years of age. He didn't know much. He knew what I knew. But I was hungry. I was thirsty. I wanted to know this God who rescued me, who delivered me, who restored my marriage. And I was, I had this, how can I put it, Hunger in my spirit to learn and to know about God and the things of God. And I started praying. And God answered my prayer. God will answer a prayer that arises from the heart and is genuine, particularly of a person who's hungry for the things of God. There was no Bible school there where I was. But God miraculously put into my hands a brochure of a well-known fivefold minister who introduced me to other well-known Bible teachers. And I went to the Christian bookstore and I bought everything I could find on prayer, on fasting, on the Holy Spirit, on every subject that I needed to grow, on the financial system of God, and I began to plug. We had those walkmen those days and tapes. And I plugged the word of God into my ears. Hour after hour, hour after hour. And within a few months, I grew. I developed in my knowledge. And God entrusted me with the ministry and launched me into the ministry. But if I had not grown, if I had not developed in those areas, God would not entrust me with the gospel. I guarantee you that I would still be a businessman running the supermarket today. Amen. So the lack of the absence or the lack of five-fold ministry teaching is also one of the causes. And the believer needs all the gift ministries Jesus set in his church to promote growth and equip believers because that is why he set those gifts in the body to equip the saints. And the Bible says to bring us into a perfect stature, mature men and women in Christ. We need them. You need them. If you're hungry. And the third reason which I believe this is the big one. I believe most of believers are in this category. And the third reason of a lack of spiritual maturity is what I call complacency. What is complacency? Complacency is being satisfied with your present condition. Complacency, I believe, is the biggest challenge the church is facing today when it comes to spiritual development. Let me give you another definition. Complacency is the feeling of being satisfied with how things are and not wanting to try and change them. Are you listening good? You are satisfied with a feeling of being, of of how things are, and not wanting or willing to try and change them. Or in other words, it is the self-satisfied state of negligence or carelessness, Neglecting the word of God. Neglecting your time of prayer and fellowship with the Lord. Neglecting the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some is. Neglecting to share your faith with others. The believers of today, I believe, whom God has placed on earth, have become so comfortable with our relationship with the Lord, even taking it for granted to the point of neglecting our responsibilities to God as believers. We take it for granted. Hallelujah, I'm saved. Thank you, Jesus. This is is an enemy that needs to be fought, resisted. It's a temptation for every believer to sit and to be satisfied with where he is. And yet God has so much more for you and I. I believe we barely scratched the surface. But we lack the hunger. We lack the zeal. We lack the pursuit of God's face. We're not zealous on fire for God. We're content. We're satisfied. A.W. Toza was a biblical teacher. He stated that complacency is the enemy number one of spiritual growth. Enemy number one. So according to the Bible, we can conclude that complacency is when the believer has reached a point of satisfaction in which he or she becomes comfortable in their faith, And don't feel the need to move forward in the Christian life. That's a very dangerous place to be. And what happens then, sin slowly starts to influence us in our Christian walk. Very dangerous place. Here are some of the fruits of complacency. And you can evaluate this. Take yourself and evaluate it according to this. Where do I stand in this? Number one. Fruits of complacency, lukewarmness. Remember what Jesus said to the church in Laodicea? You are neither hot and neither cold. I wish that you were either cold or hot. But because you look warm, remember what he said? I will spew you out of my mouth. He cannot digest lukewarm Christians. That's number one. Number two. False sense of security that is produced by presumption. I'm okay. Remember what the, Ephes- what the Laodicean church said? This is what they said. Because you say, I am rich, I have become wealthy, I have need of nothing. False sense of confidence and security. Jesus said, and you do not know that you're rich, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. They didn't know that because they were complacent. The third thing, spiritual blindness. No vision. Clear, biblical, kingdom vision for your life. And you know what the Bible says? Where there is no vision. The people perish. That's why we go around and round in circles. No aim, no purpose. Where are you going? I don't know. What did God call you to do? I don't know. And we experiment life. We don't live life. We experiment. We try this. We try that. We try this. Because no spiritual perception or vision from God. You know that God has a unique plan? For your life, no matter where you come from, no matter who you are, he has a unique plan which he drafted himself. A dream for you and I. When you catch that dream, you are transformed. Most believers don't have a vision. That's why they are confused and they're going around and round and round and round with no forward movement that's what complacency does it will kill you and it will kill me and finally poverty jesus said you say you're rich but you don't know that you're so poor amen you may be wealthy financially But without spiritual vision, you are the most rich and most miserable and poor of all people. Amen. What's the solution, Pastor? How do we get out of this? Now I've given you you the diagnosis. Now I'm going to give you the prescription. Amen. Do you want to know what the solution is? It is encapsulated in one word. Repent. Be zealous, Jesus said to the church in Laodicea, and repent. What is repentance? Simple. It is a change of mind that leads to a change of behavior and a change of a value system. Simple as that. You are headed this way, you stop, and you turn around, and you go the opposite way. That's repentance. Repent. Be zealous and repent. Change the way you think. Because when you change the way you think, your attitude will change. Your behavior will change. Without even trying when you renew your mind and begin to think the thoughts of God and value what God values. You begin to value eternal values that do not perish with the using. As the apostle wrote to the church and he said, set your mind on things above, not on things of the earth for you dead. Amen. Heavenly minded people are repentant people and they can initiate change in this present world that we live. We are agents of change, but not without repentance. Amen. Listen to what Jesus said to the church. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire, that you may be rich, and white garments, that you may be clothed, and the shame of your nakedness may not be revealed. Anoint your eyes with eye salve, that you may see. As many as I love, I rebuke, and I chasten. Therefore, be zealous. And repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. And if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him and dine with him and he with me. You realized that the Lord is knocking at the door of your heart and your mind this morning? Hallelujah. I came all the way, thousands of miles, not to tickle your ears, but to feed your hearts, your spirits. And I pray that the Spirit of God will continue to bring conviction to the place or to the, to the time when you start to repent and change and start little. Amen. Amen? Write the areas that you've been unfaithful and disobedient to the Lord. Write them down on a piece of paper and start attacking them. I will commit... I will serve the Lord. I will give what God specifies in His Word. I will tithe. I will give offerings. I will attend church meetings. If there is a church meeting and I have another appointment, I will put the church gathering first. I tell them, I don't care. Is your birthday. You need to attend to the Word. Your relatives come. You need to attend to the Word. Invite them to come too. And if they don't come, too bad. You go. We hear so many excuses. Pastor, I can't come. Why? I'm sick. But that's a time when you need to attend to the word so you can be healed. Pastor, I can't come. Why? "Uh, My cousin has come to visit me. So what? So what if your cousin has come to visit you? Oh, it's the birthday of my friend. I have to. Why? Is your friend more important than the word of God? Wake up, church. We are living in dangerous times. And if you want to succeed in overcoming in the present day that we live, you're going to have to give priority to the ministry of the word, to prayer, to church attendance, and all the things that you know you ought to do without your pastor telling you every week. Amen. No excuses. I have an online church every Sunday evening, and I say to the people, if you are not on it, you better text me, and you better have a good reason why you're not. You know, pastors today, don't keep the flock accountable. You are accountable to God, you are accountable to your leadership, whether you like it or not. If you refuse accountability, you will not grow. Amen? Unless you don't want to grow. Here are the fruits of repentance and I'm finishing. How do I know that I have truly repented? Number one, evidence, brokenness. God will not despise a contrite heart. Brokenness, humility, and self-abasement. These are the first evidence of a person who has truly repented. I remember when I initially repented, when I heard the gospel, it broke me. And I sobbed like a baby because I realized what harm I've caused to God, to my wife, and to my loved ones. The word of God is so powerful, it can break you. But you're going to have to hear It's not my word like a hammer, says the Lord, that breaks the stone. Is not my word like fire? Brokenness, humility, self-abasement, the first fruits of repentance. The second, a desire to correct what is wrong. You cannot tolerate wrong anymore in your life. You have this desire to put it right, to correct what is wrong, to forgive where you have not been forgiving. To love where you have not been loving. To give where you have not been giving. There's a strong, overwhelming desire that is birthed by the Spirit of God, not by your own efforts, to correct what is wrong in your life. Number three, a spiritual hunger and a thirst for the things of God that cannot be quenched any other way, but only through the Word and the presence and the Spirit of God. Have you seen a person who is hungry who hasn't eaten for days how he behaves And this is one thing that is so lacking in the church no hunger for the things of God We we hungry for other things worldly things We would talk about the weather we would talk about Hollywood we would talk about cars we would talk What about God Where's the hunger but repentance produces a genuine hunger and a thirst for the things of God. Next one, submission to authority. That's a big one. We love our independence. We don't want to be accountable to anybody. I only listen to the Lord, not to man. What an ignoramus. You ever heard that statement? I've heard it many times. And I walk away thinking, it won't be long before this guy falls into the ditch. Submission to authority, both direct authority from God and delegated authority. There's a willingness to submit, to obey your elders, your pastor. There's an honor that comes in your heart toward those that minister the word of God to you. And you submit willingly, joyfully, knowing that it is for your own protection. And finally... A willingness to serve in whatever capacity. A willingness to serve in whatever capacity. Even cleaning the toilets, sweeping the floor, arranging the chairs, coming 15 minutes, 20 minutes earlier than anybody else, setting it up, organizing. That's what repentance does. I want to conclude with praying. And so, would you rise with me, please? And let us pray. May the Lord grant us mercy. May the Lord grant mercy to the church in Cyprus. May he burden our hearts and may he break our hearts with what breaks His. May we be burdened for the souls of men and women that are dying and going to hell every single day. And may we arise from the slumber that we have been sleeping in for such a long time. God brought me here today to give you a prophetic message. And a prophetic message always points us to God and to repentance. Shall we pray? Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for your precious word this morning. I thank you that you love us so much. And you, O Lord, without hesitation, are willing to rebuke and to chasten us. For you said, as many as I love, I rebuke and I chasten. Your rebuke, Lord, is evidence of your great love. And I pray that that rebuke, that chastening today will take root and will bring forth an abundance of fruit to the glory and honor of your precious name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message. For additional resources or more information about this ministry, come and visit us at alphaomegaint.org.za.